faithwire.com. Leah Thomas, the biological male dominating women's college swimming right now, has an update in response to their critics saying, quote, I'm a woman just like anybody else on the team, end quote. Today is Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. Love that top story and more on today's four and three podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can find us on iTunes and subscribe there and check out our episodes every day. Go through the news with us from a Christian perspective. We'd love to have you join us with me today. As always, is Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell, uh, not here today. Um, he is off. Is he, is he skiing, Trey? I'm not sure what he what he's doing today, but skiing through the air. I skiing think he's through on a, the air he's on a, yeah. on a flight. Right he, now, so yeah, we always joke that somebody's skiing when they're not here, but um, right. they're on a ski trip. He might as well be skiing. He might as well be skiing, but I think he's actually going to NRB and he's going to yes. get a ton of interviews there. So we'll be looking forward to that uh, in the coming days ahead. But uh, we're going to start with a look at uh, what we have coming up on the pod today. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be talking about J.K. Rowling. She has stepped in it again with the left. Uh, she can't stay away. Um, so she's talking about her opposition to a transgender law that's up for uh, uh, has been proposed in Scotland. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, and we'll give a little bit of an update on what the latest is with Ukraine as well before we go. And a lot of discussion around uh, the the no fly zone and why aren't we doing it? How come we're not giving, you know, helping Poland with the planes that they wanted to and the fighter jets that they wanted to give? A lot going on there. So we'll try to run that down quickly as well. But want to start here with this uh, story on Leah Thomas, who, of course, is the uh, biological male, as I said, who has been in the college ranks and swimming as a transgender who identifies as a female and just shattering records and there's a big a big huge uh, meet coming up here that uh, will have all eyes on this performance and cbn's heather sells has been following the story uh, as it progresses and she has an update on it and so we're going to bring her in now uh, and talk to her uh, about it so heather thanks for being here on uh, the podcast you're welcome so what what can you tell us about the latest? You've been covering this now for a while. The story has kind of been ramping up over the past few months with Leah Thomas and and the the transgender swimming issue. So what can you tell us where things stand now? I'll give you the quick back back story and then Leah Thomas's backstory. But the back back story is that we've seen slowly this issue of uh, trans athletes in sports, if you will, emerging over the last couple of years. And probably most prominently, there is a case in Connecticut involving uh, some high school uh, track athletes, some uh, women who were uh, saying, hey, there's boys competing us against us. Um, they're winning, and this is not fair. Um, so that was kind of a blip. But other than that, not a lot. And so I've been wondering, watching all of this, where is this issue really going to go? Uh, and thinking, well, maybe there's not a lot of guys who are going to say, I am going to transition to becoming a woman and I'm going to compete in sports against women. I thought, huh, maybe that's really not going to happen. And that's what a lot of liberals were saying as well. Hey, this just really isn't an issue. Uh, this is not really happening. And so then you have Leah Thomas emerge and it has caught, it has caught a lot more attention, uh, especially, of course, in the swim world. 
but beyond that as well. And I think uh, there's a lot of people out there who are who are realizing, hey, th- this this is an issue. So with respect to Leah Thomas, Leah Thomas uh, was originally Will Thomas, uh, competed as a swimmer in high school, went to UPenn, University of Pennsylvania, because his brother was on the swim team there, and competed as a male at UPenn for three seasons. Uh, but freshman year, uh, he has said in a podcast that he started feeling uh, unsure, felt like something was off. And then he told Sports Illustrated that he was paired with a trans mentor at uh the university his freshman year and that became his journey or, or led to his journey uh, down the path of changing his gender identity and he eventually started hormone replacement therapy in May of 2019. So almost three years ago he has been on this um, hormone therapy. He has not made any other physical changes to himself and so that's, you know, a, a big part of the debate, if you will, is that, you know, he's his testosterone is suppressed. So that's a change. But, you know, in terms of him physically, he's got the same heart, the same lungs, the same skeletal structure, mm. uh, you know, the same big hands and feet. And and so a lot of people are saying, and not all of them publicly, and that's another part of the story, but they're saying this is not fair. Uh, He's been competing since last fall on the women's team. Yeah, and, um, you know, you mentioned the the suppression of the hormones, but the the results are speaking for themselves. I mean, dominating the results. I mean, when you see it, it looks like he's coasting almost and finishing multiple body lengths ahead of the nearest person, which in swimming is an eternity. Um, so now that people are seeing this result, you know, how is the debate changing any, how, you know, cause like you said, it was a slow build. They said, maybe there won't be much of this, but when, when we see this domination, has that sort of changed the conversation at all? Right. Well, really interesting. All the different stakeholders here. Uh, I interviewed, uh, a, a woman who was a USA swimming official for over 30 years, Cynthia Millen in Ohio the other week. And she said, you know, initially in the swim community, no one really believed that Leah Thomas was going to keep competing. Uh, they saw, everyone saw Leah Thomas uh, in, you know, at these first couple of meets do really, really well. And then everyone was saying, Oh, but, but they're not going to let Leah Thomas keep competing. And yet uh, USA swimming and the NCAA has. It came close. Leah Thomas almost wasn't allowed to compete in the NCAA Division I championships, which are uh, next week. But in the end, uh, the NCAA allowed him to do so. So there has been official approval of Leah Thomas from the NCAA, from USA Swimming, which is the big uh, swim organization. Uh, And really overall, coaches publicly have been not saying anything or supporting Thomas. The media has been supporting Thomas. Uh, and you haven't heard uh, any parents or swimmers publicly and using their names speaking out against Thomas. And I think it's pretty clear the reason why. Uh, basically, uh, when they when they tried to do so, and this has been documented in Sports Illustrated and other places, 
Um, there were some swim parents at Penn who sent a letter to the NCAA anonymously wanting Thomas to be ruled ineligible, and the NCAA didn't respond, but the Penn athletic director did. And the Penn athletic director said, uh, we need to support all our student athletes and suggested that the uh, Penn athletes, if they were upset about Leah Thomas, uh, could go get some counseling help. <laughs> I found that remarkable. <laughs> I but mean, jeez. That's the irony of this of this whole thing, though, supporting the student athletes. That's it seems like that's what the perspective of some of these parents who have had to do this anonymously. That's their perspective. They want their daughters to be supported. Um, and so I think, you know, looking at the story, no matter where people stand, the most troubling part of it seems to be the fact that anybody who has a different perspective, they're basically relegated to the back. They're afraid to speak out. And what's kind of remarkable is watching the story progress the way you've described. We, we've seen the wins. We've seen this happen. And yet the openness to being able to speak, you would assume some of that would loosen up a little bit, but it appears that it, that it has it at all. Right. And it's I've tried to figure out, OK, what is it? Why can't people speak up? And there's a couple of different reasons. You know, one is that if you speak up, uh, you are labeled uh, transphobic and uh, you're not labeled hateful to women. <laughs> you're labeled transphobic. And then that can have ramifications for you. So if you're a parent, it, it could mean that your your daughter could be, you know, punished uh, and, and no one wants that in college sports, right? When you've spent your whole life training to become a college swim athlete. Uh, if you're the college swim athlete, of course, you know, there could be ramifications for you on the team and no one wants that. And if you're a swimming official, uh, you know, you could be forced, you, you could be fired, if you will. Not, I mean, they're all volunteers, but you could be uh you know, let go or some, or something could happen. You may not, you might not get good, uh, swim assignments. That's what, uh, Cynthia Millen indicated is the fear among swim officials that they won't be allowed to officiate at prestigious meets. And so everyone has something they want to protect and, uh, knows that it could be taken from them if they speak out. So people keep quiet and it's, it's, it's really something. There are some people speaking out. Uh, I interviewed Dave Salo, who's a former Olympic coach, uh, Dr. Linda Blade, who's a sports performance coach, Cynthia Millen, who actually resigned, quit as a USA uh, swimming official. Uh, there's also Erica Brown, uh, who's an mm -hmm. Olympic athlete, and Michael Phelps, uh, who, of course, is the great Olympic uh, champion <laughs> swimmer. And so there are some people speaking out, uh, but not a lot. You know, Heather, you mentioned some of the people who are speaking out by name. Of course, there's plenty who are remaining anonymous, of course, but it seems like this issue is is galvanizing support from a motley crew of people. Like it's not just uh, the GOP, it's people like J.K. Rowling, who has spoken out not specifically about Thomas, but generally about the issue. Uh, and and the parents are, are coming out apolitically and speaking out against this. Uh, it's similar to me looking back at uh, to the reaction we saw from parents uh, who started going to school board meetings at the height of uh, of coronavirus restrictions or uh, at the height of the CRT debate uh, in, in 2020 and going into 2021. So I wonder if you could shed some light maybe on what this might mean politically. Are we going to see a restructuring of uh, the political world and how we address this issue moving forward? Well, that's the wonderment. I, for the last couple of years, have interviewed a number of uh 
people who have assured me that they are lifelong Democrats, but that they are appalled by this transgender hmm. movement. Um, one woman, uh, a doctor in New England, I interviewed her in a hotel room and disguised her voice because she said if they knew at work what my views were on the transgender movement, I, you know, I, I would lose my job. So hmm. that has felt very surreal. But I have wondered, wow. yes, you see this rise in the in the parents movement, if you want to call that. And I've wondered what are the dads and moms of America going to do about this, who are watching their daughters, you know, in soccer at a young age in swimming in whatever sport it is, are they going to stay silent or are they going to speak up? So that's one group to watch. Another group that I'm watching right now are feminists And that is a fascinating situation because you have got some hardcore feminists who are saying we fought for years for women, right, for women's rights, for Title IX, for privacy, for uh, our locker rooms, if you will. And and we are not going to just simply roll over now and allow men to come in and dominate women's sports to come in and and change in our locker rooms and restrooms. So. Uh, that is a group to watch. Uh, they're, they're, I want to qualify. It's just a, a small group of feminists right now. Uh, not all feminists are on board. A number of feminists are supporting the transgender movement, but there are some who are saying uh, men coming into women's sports is going to destroy women's sports. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it and you follow the logic to its to its conclusion, it's hard not to see what a lot of some of these feminists that you mentioned are, are arguing, which is, hey, wait a minute here. This essentially erases women, because if you can just say, and you know, that you're a woman and you're a man, then what does that mean for women? And so, like, you know, where is their space? Where is their kind of safe haven? And, and, and it seems like hopefully, you know, as Christians, we can pray that people can start finding that space where we can still sympathize with someone who identifies and thinks is a transgender, you know, thinks they're the opposite gender that, that their body is. And so sympathize with them, have compassion for them, but also protect the women from having to, you know, in places like sports compete against the men and, um, you know, biological men. So, yeah, and I'm glad yeah. you brought up that point, too, because in no way do we, as CBN, you know, Faithwire, do we want to denigrate anyone on the planet? Right. You know, sure. but but there are multiple concerns here. And, and I think the question is, OK, you know, how can someone like Leah Thomas compete uh, but not directly against a biological woman. What what is fairness here? And there there is definitely a conversation around that. Uh, there are some uh, coaches uh, and folks who I've interviewed who are saying, "Hey, can we create a category that is just for uh, biological women or 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 women? Period. Or uh, can we put an asterisk?" Uh, by Leah Thomas's name when Leah Thomas wins at the NCAA championships next week. And that is actually the point of a Swimming World editorial that just came out. So that it's definitely mm. a conversation in the swim community about how can we be fair here. Yeah, and hopefully people can speak without a fear of reprisal, as you mentioned, a lot of that, which is I think a lot of what we're seeing is people are being intimidated uh, into silence and afraid for you know being labeled bigoted and transphobic and 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 all of that. So hopefully 
uh, sanity will prevail at the end of the day. And I know, Heather, you'll be uh, continuing uh, in the future to follow these this story and more. And I appreciate you bringing uh, the details for us here today on the podcast. Hey, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. All right. Let's head on into uh, story number two. All right, so for story number two, we're talking about, uh, like I said at the top, J.K. Rowling. She's obviously the famed author of uh, the Harry Potter series. She's stepped into controversy once again. Mm. Uh, We're sticking with the transgender uh, issue because that's what she has spoken out against. Uh, So she specifically is condemning the gender recognition reform bill, uh, which was introduced by the first minister of Scotland, uh, Nicola uh, Sturgeon. Uh, So if approved, the legislation would, among uh, several other things, lower the age at which a person can legally change his or her sexual identity from 18 years old to 16 years old. Uh, It also makes it generally easier to transition legally, according to a report from Variety. Uh, So right now, applicants for gender recognition certificates, that's legally what it's called in Scotland, uh, to to begin the process of changing all of your legal documentation. Uh, So in order to apply for for one of those right now, you have to be 18 years or older, uh, and you're obligated to undergo medical diagnoses indicating that you have gender dysphoria, uh, over a two-year process, uh, so that would say, okay, you, you are an applicant, like a, a viable applicant to transition because you've been diagnosed with gender dysphoria, uh, you've had this issue ongoing for at least two years, uh, so that's how the process currently works. Under Sturgeon's proposal, though, uh, applicants would be required to live as their preferred sexual agen- identity for just three months. Uh, before they could petition for a gender recognition certificate, which would then be granted after an additional three-month quote-unquote reflection period by the government. Uh, But the biggest sticking point, I mean, that's, well, the biggest sticking point is probably that it lowers it from 18 to 16. The second uh, big contention that people have is that it eliminates any requirement whatsoever for medical evidence of gender dysphoria. You don't have to go through that that medical or psychological process anymore. You can just decide that you want to live as another sex. Uh, you do that for three months, and you can apply, and then after an additional three months, uh, you're granted your gender recognition certificate. Uh, as long as you swear at your hearing uh, that you intend to live the rest of your life uh, under that new assumed sexual identity. Uh, Any false claims, uh, according to Variety, uh, would be punishable by up to two years uh, in prison, but it didn't really detail how that would would work out. I mean, suppose, I'm just thinking in my head, Dan, what if a person decides, well, I want to transition back, who's to say that they, (laughs) who's to say that they can't? Right. Um, So, I just think logically that that falls apart. But anyway, let's get to what J.K. Rowling said. Uh, So she tweeted about it, and she said, uh, the law Nicola Sturgeon is trying to pass in Scotland will harm the most vulnerable women in society, those seeking help after male violence or rape uh, and incarcerated women. Uh, Statistics show that imprisoned women are already far more likely uh, to have been previously abused. So let's go back and give a little bit of a a backstory here. Uh, So in mid-December, J.K. Rowling uh, condemned proposed laws in Scotland at the time that would this is a a separate bill, uh, but it would have uh, reportedly resulted in police officers recording sexual assaults and rapes committed by biological males as perpetrated by females if those assailants said that they identify as women. 
uh, which obviously raises a whole lot of issues. Uh, one of the issues that J.K. Rowling said at the time uh, is that it uh, is harmful to women because it could potentially skew the statistics. Uh, it could cause a whole lot of issues with, with reporting rape and sexual assault. So this is what she tweeted at the time. She said, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Uh, and then she also added, the penist individual who <laughs> raped you is a woman. Uh, so she's saying, the, the, essentially, her point was, the world is, is topsy-turvy uh, with this kind of stuff. And the people who are caught in the crosshairs over and over and over again uh, are biological women. Uh, and she's just pointing out the irony, as she has several times over the last couple of years, uh, that this is coming from the progressive left, which is a, a political faction that supposedly is ultra-feminist and looking out for the interests of women uh, and wanting to protect women's rights. Uh, and yet, uh, it's biological women who um, are categorically harmed um, by these kinds of, of legislation. Uh, so in another piece that I want to talk about that uh, J.K. Rowling uh, said uh, is she yesterday was International Women's Day, uh, and there were a lot of conservatives who are pointing out, well, if we're going to celebrate International Women's Day, what's the definition of <laughs> right, a woman? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so she actually spoke up about that. So a British politician uh, was on uh, BBC Women's Hour on Tuesday, uh, and she was asked by the anchor uh, to define the woman's, the politician's name is Annalise Dodds. Uh, she was asked by the host of BBC to give the Labour Party's definition of a woman. Uh, in response, this is what the parliament member said. Well, I have to say that there are different definitions legally around what a woman actually is. I mean, you look at the definition within the Equality Act, and I think it just says someone who is adult and female, I think, but then doesn't see how you define either of those things. I mean, obviously, that's then uh, you got you get a biological definition, a legal definition of a woman, but she suggested that yeah, just because it's a legal definition of a woman doesn't mean that's actually a woman. Uh, so the BBC host pushed back again and said, I need a, a clear definition of what a woman is. Uh, and she said, the lawmaker, I think it does depend on what the context is. I mean, surely that's important here. You know, there are people who have decided that they have to make that transition. You know, I've spoken with many of them. It's been a very difficult process for many of these people. And, you know, understandably, because they live as a woman, they want to be defined as a woman. She's talking about biological males who identify as women. Uh, but then Annalise Dodds posted a video on Twitter celebrating International Women's Day uh, and said that the Labor Party will lift women up, not hold them back. Uh, so J.K. Rowling quote tweeted that and said, this morning you told the British public you literally cannot define what a woman is. What's the plan? Lift up random objects until you find one that rattles? <laughs> so uh, needless to say, uh, she, Rowling, got some pushback. Uh, one Twitter user said, you really want your legacy to die on this hill? Uh, and Rowling responded, yes, sweetheart, I'm staying right here on this hill, defending the rights of women and girls to talk about themselves, their bodies and their lives in any way they please. Uh, you worry about your legacy and I'll worry about mine. Uh, so, you know, she's sticking to her guns on this issue. And I think that as far as why it matters, we know why it matters as believers. And I think it's important to see voices like J.K. Rowling, obviously not from a Christian perspective, but just looking at the plain facts of the situation, that a woman is a woman, a man is a man. These things can't be changed no matter what, uh, no matter what you do genetically um, or, or what you do surgically, I should say, or hormonally. 
you can't change the, the that reality. Uh, and when you do try to change that reality or deny that reality, it's it's ironically women who end up being hurt. Uh, so it's important to talk about these issues, and it's certainly important to, to highlight people like Rowling who are putting their neck out there and and taking an actual brave stand. We talk about bravery all the time. This is actual bravery. Yeah. Yeah, it really is because, uh, you know, I think I saw it because we talked about the quote unquote don't say gay bill, which was a fake, yes. fake news narrative about what the bill actually did. But I saw people responding to that and saying, hey, uh, this is already an oppressed group. I think it was the, the executive director of GLAAD was on CBS or one of the morning shows and said this is already an oppressed group. And I, I don't think you can say that at this point anymore that. The L- maybe at one time, like when Ellen was coming out, maybe that you could make that claim that that was actually brave at that time. But I don't think now you can say that because you get the red carpet rolled out for you now. Uh, all the companies are putting rainbow flags on. So to your point about being courageous, you know, whether you agree or not, I mean, I think what Rowling is doing here is definitely it's not the favored view. It is not the comfortable view. You're, you're going to put yourself out there be called being called a bigot which is what happens to anyone who disagrees with uh, these these ideologies. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think it is whether you agree or not, it's definitely somebody, I think, taking a risk. Yeah. And, you know, I think on the micro, you can still maybe make the case that there's some bullying or whatever, because but that's that's human nature. There's always going to be that. Uh, and kids particularly uh, are going to pick on kids uh, for, for anything that they can find to pick on kids for. So but I don't want to say that the bullying doesn't exist, but certainly I agree on the macro. It's like the most celebrated demographic possible. I mean, if, if you look at every storefront, to your point, Dan, uh, in the month of June, which has been dubbed Pride Month, I mean, you walk through a mall or a shopping strip or whatever, every single store is going to have it, the entire rainbow and and a huge, uh, you know, huge campaign celebrating LGBTQ awareness and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So yeah, you certainly, uh, you certainly can't make the argument that is this writ large marginalized group of people, uh, because it's, it's not. And also the unfortunate thing is, is we People like like Christians who have a biblical understanding of sexuality are lumped in with the people who are bigoted and bullying, and it's like no, that's that's not actually what's <laughs> right. happening here. No. Uh, this is a biblical understanding of sexuality. Me having a different opinion uh, about how sexuality should work is not an offense to a person right. who is LGBTQ. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. So couldn't agree there more with that. Um, we're running low on time here, so I want to get to this Ukraine update here before we go, Trey. And um, there is a lot going on, obviously, still, but I'm going to get through it here uh, as quick as I can. The highlights of what's going on. About uh, at least 516 civilians have been killed in Ukraine since uh, Russia started this invasion back on February 24th. It's amazing it's been that long already, you know? I mean, it yeah. really it feels like it just started, and it's been a couple weeks now, so it's pretty wild and cbn's george thomas is still there and that number is expected to be higher that's just what they can confirm um, but that's 42 uh, more deaths compared to the previous update uh, a couple days ago according to the un and so president joe biden what was his move today well he signed that executive order calling on the government to examine the risks and benefits of cryptocurrencies And so it's looking on what they say are six key areas, quote, consumer protection, financial stability, illicit activity, U.S. competitiveness, financial inclusion, responsible innovation. So they want to explore this, you know, further. And 
Um, it's interesting because they're using this time period during the war. Remember, it was the uh, Russia. They were saying, well, Russia is going to avoid these sanctions by using cryptocurrency. So that was kind of the end, right? Because this is not a popular idea. And see, although CNBC called it a long awaited directive, not sure if that means long awaited, like with, ba you know, nervously or excitedly, they don't really say there, <laughs> um, but uh, they're talking about the regulations that are coming. And it's interesting because a lot of the crypto market was talking about this. They'd gotten wind of this executive order after the treasury department had accidentally put out a, a, a since deleted statement where they called it uh, historic uh, you know this this uh potential regulation here of crypto and so i'm not sure i mean isn't that kind of the whole point of crypto was to get to get a currency outside of the government's grasp but they had no control right, exactly. over and could crash and die like so it's kind of ironic that they are, would view that that but way how, how long yeah. is the government going to be okay with that you no know? no of course not of course not as i mentioned the other day with online gambling whenever they there's some area of financial trading happening Oh yeah, they're the government They've is gotta watching get their that. Tentacles in. Yeah, especially crypto because it's I mean, the amount of volume trading on it is so insane. I mean, even right. on even on ridiculous cryptos like um uh you know, what's the one Elon Musk, Doge. You know, you've got these cryptos that nobody even knows and they're just trading them like crazy just hoping one of them takes off and uh, you can make some money, but Anyway, so that is that is the big deal today that he signed the the executive order on the cryptocurrency to explore it is what its status is at this moment. So um, the other big thing is what are we going to do about the airspace? People are saying, how come we're not just, you know, locking down that airspace over Ukraine so that Russia can't do these bombing runs? Well, there's complications with that. That could lead to some pretty big escalations that would could be devastating potentially. So the U.S. has been cautious on that. The British Foreign Secretary said that the UK will supply air defense systems to Ukraine. And that comes as the US and Polish officials have had a number of conversations um, since Poland kind of said the thing out loud that they don't normally say out loud when they talked about providing fighter jets to Ukraine and kind of like, hey, who wants to get in on this? We're going to get some fighter jets going here. US, you guys want to come along? And the US was like, wait a minute. Did, did you guys mean to publish that one? I think those are the things we kind of usually have, um, you know, phone calls over. Uh, but anyway, uh, the a senior administration official said providing Ukraine with MiG fighter jets remains a priority for the administration, even after the U.S. did reject Poland's proposal to transfer them first to the U.S. So the White House was caught by surprise by it, though, when they made the offer publicly. Um, but at the same time, that little kind of disagreement there, you know, it just kind of shows the, the logistical difficulties that have kind of so far prevented Ukraine from getting jets, getting the help that they need. Mm -hmm. You know, there are all these issues, these complicated layers uh, that are going on. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken said today that the U.S. is continuing to consult with Poland and other NATO allies on how to provide these fighter jets to Ukraine. So they're looking to help. But I mean, it's a complicated issue. I don't think it's one of these things that you can logistically just I mean, do easily without causing complications and potentially escalating things. So uh, the misinformation wars continue. Trey, I mean, the, Russia tried to come out and say the Minister of Defense claimed today that 90% of the Ukrainian military airfields are now out of action. Uh, but they quickly, uh, a U.S. defense official quickly kind of rebuffed that and said the majority of Ukrainians' air fleet is still intact and operable. 
Um, and so, so you've got the misinformation wars going on. You got the executive order happening. The devastation is still, um, you know, the, the, the human toll that's being taken on this, the refugees that are fleeing well north of a million now. George Thomas, we have all his reports on CBNnews.com and FaithWire.com and the CBN News YouTube channel. He's providing those throughout the day, each day. He's been there since before the buildup. And I remember we talked to him, Trey, and he yeah. kind of predicted a lot of what we're seeing unfold. Um, you know, because a lot of people thought, well, mm -hmm. you know, this is just posturing and maybe he'll he'll do this or that. And I think George was pretty spot on in in what he saw coming. And and in fact, he ended up going to Lviv because he predicted that there was going to be a huge wave of people coming out and that the invasion would happen. And lo and behold, he's been there to see this, you know, incredible humanitarian crisis unfolding yeah. at the hands of yeah. Russia's actions. So all those updates and more you can find on the website and um, we'll keep bringing them to you here daily on the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to, before we go, note the importance of, of listening to people like George Thomas who are actually on the ground yeah. and have a, a grasp of the situation. Because, like, I think so often, like, in addition to all of the issues that you mentioned, Dan, another concern, I think, um, is the social media aspect. Uh, because so many people are, uh, they see a 240-character a, a or however many characters yeah. you can have on Twitter a tweet that's like, oh, that sounds like a really fantastic idea. Uh, and then they kind of start pressuring their government officials to do that uh, and then we'll see that if enough people are loud enough and say something uh, a lot of times the government will for political reasons end up taking that that kind of action so it's it's important that we really understand what's going on like the no fly zone is a big one yeah. like i saw marco rubio the senator in florida obviously was on um i think he was with george stephanopoulos over the weekend uh, and he said, a no-fly zone has become a catchphrase. I'm not sure a lot of people really understand what that actually means. Yeah. Uh, and said to implement one would would you know potentially spark uh, the start of another world war. Uh, so it really is important to be aware of what's going on, to understand the nuance of the situation. And that's why I'm, you know I'm so grateful that George has spoken with us, but yeah. uh, also that he's you know we've been posting a lot of his stories at CBN and our our YouTube channel. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. And um, it's, I'll just, one last thing I'll throw in here when I see all this stuff, by the way. When Russia tries to claim, like, oh, well, you guys can't do that. I mean, it, it kind of makes me, it's, it's, it, I would chuckle if it wasn't so sad, but it's like, how can they possibly look at anything as, as a grievance towards them when they've just completely unprovoked right, gone exactly. in and, and launched an attack? Everything else after this should be their fault. But of course, they're Russians and they don't view it that way. So uh, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But all right. Well, that is all the time we have for this Wednesday episode of the 4 and 3 podcast. Thank you for being here as always. And as always, head on over to CBNnews.com. Get the CBN News app. Do not let those algorithms decide what news you see. Get it direct from the source. Go right to the CBN News app. Go to faithwire.com. Go to CBNnews.com. News from a Christian perspective. All right, that is all the time we have for today. See you tomorrow. God bless. Oh, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. We'll see you tomorrow. It's never guaranteed. <laughs> there you go.